0: Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Daniel Chalice Building in beautiful Midtown, Portsmouth, Virginia, it's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and special guest co-hosts, Craig Eckridge and Sam Batman. Tonight's topic, Night of the Creeps. If you scream, you're dead. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Craig. Robert? Sam joining us via satellite in the lounge tonight, which means over the phone and through the board. So. Gentlemen! <laughs> if if the sound sounds a little weird between the three of us, we're uh, playing by ear here we're, <laughs> with a, our high-tech system we've got here.
1: This is one of the rare three-host podcasts. We're going for the six-man titles yeah, tonight. we're going for the
0: hat trick. Uh, That's
1: right. But we're going to have some
0: fun talking about this movie. This is one, you know, I hadn't seen in so long. And, you know, I don't, actually, I don't know if I had seen it all the way through in one sitting, to be honest with you, until tonight. Ever? Yeah, until we watched watch it earlier today. I'd seen wow. like bits and pieces of it at different times. And, uh, of course, you know, you remember all the lines, mm-hmm. the quotable oh. lines and all. It was a lot of fun. And it's a great, it's an 80s horror movie. And there's no, I mean it's definitely
1: there's no mistaking it for being in any other era you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 what what i like about it is it's a horror it's a comedy but there's like a genuine sweetness to it there's a there's a heart to it and somehow they lost the art since the 80s of somehow you can actually write characters that you care about, and are likable, <laughs> and you don't want to see anything happen to these kids. So, yeah, that hadn't happened since 92, so, yeah, it had to be the 80s. Well, you know, it's like what Atkins was saying, in a
0: lot of the horror movies nowadays, they're so, they're so grim and gritty and, and dark, and there's no escapism element to There's no fun. It's not fun to watch them like this. It's horror, and there's blood and gore. But it's a fun movie, you know. Like you said, there's characters you you, you care about the characters because there's some decent, they're decent people. A couple of them have some quirky character traits, like Atkin's cop, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not that everybody has all these dark emo tendencies and these faults that it's like oh everybody's a asshole. In this. Yeah.
2: Well, there's a theory, and I've, I know I've touched on this in the past, whether we had it on podcast or not. But there's a theory. Uh, Stephen King advances this in Dance Macabre, of course, that horror movies are a reflection of the culture of the time, right? You could theorize that there was a more upbeat, positive vibe in the 80s than there is currently, which is why there's so many of these dour, unfun horror movies. Yeah, I don't know how much mileage that... you can get out of that versus people today just seem to lack imagination and are willing to churn out absolute crap.
1: Both are fair. I think there's definitely well, something to that because, to me, the, the '90s was kind of like the end of fun.
0: Yeah, people started getting and overall, I mean, music and movies and everything, and it just kind of down on stuff and lazy and slack. And, or know mm-hmm. slacker. The term slacker came from around that era, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and it applies to society and and filmmakers and music. Every just thing, yeah, the fun got sucked out of everything, and everything was, ooh, schlep rock, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go into more of what we like, let's do the, um, let's do a plot synopsis so we can pick apart the elements.
0: Okay, well, yeah,
1: say what the movie's about. Go ahead and give us that. Okay, it opens up on an alien spaceship, and you see this little dude running through with this tube container thing. And he's being chased by other two little alien dudes, and they're saying that experiment can't get off the ship. Yeah. And, of course, it gets off the ship, and it lands on Earth in the Halcyon days of 1959. The film is black and white, and it's period, and it's just wonderful. And everybody's parked at Lover's Lane, and there's a couple. While this is going on, there's also an escaped inmate from the nuthatch down the road who killed four orderlies and is wandering around with a fire axe. (laughs) So a cop comes up... Like you do. Like you do. The way
2: I heard it, the guy was missing a foot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there on the door was a bloody mechanical foot. (laughs) So these young lovers, guy comes to the window of the local sorority house and throws the pebbles like you do. You do. Gets his gets his lady fair. they go up the lover's lane, and a cop says, hey, go home. But there's obviously something between the girl and the cop. While the girl and her current beau are cuddled up, you see this star getting brighter and brighter and brighter, which later out turns to be the capsule from said spaceship before. Yeah, yeah. They go to investigate the boyfriend finds the capsule and the girlfriend finds the axe murderer. And it doesn't work well well for either one of them. And then we cut to 1986 where we find J.C. and Chris. Fenderbomb. Fender Fenderbomb. <laughs> Fender Fenderbomb. Fenderbaum. Spanky and Alfalfa, as we there come to know them. There you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who J.C. falls in love with this Vision of a girl across the campus quad, who is, of course, dating the head of the Jockalocka frat bro ultra, frater- <laughs> ultra fraternity crowd, and Axe body spray Brigade. Yes, their bus smells like Axe body spray and roofies. So, <laughs> so to try to get close to her, they try to pledge the frat, which, of course, is never going to happen in a thousand years because. No. Yes, because no it, it it's true, Sam, because I, I a, thought
2: those guys were alpha betas all the way,
1: alpha betas <laughs> I heard they were going to pre tr- trilam after that, <laughs> and then so they give them, they give them a task, yes, that,
0: well, if you do this, then maybe we'll let you in the frat, Of course, they had no intention of letting him in, but what is the task they give them?
1: They have to take a dead body and put it on the house of the. whatever other frat. Yeah, an, another sorority house. Yeah,
0: so they have to go get like a morgue from
1: the medical building. Yes. I mean, a morgue, a corpse from the morgue in the medical building. But of course, the corpse they find happens to be the cryogenically frozen body of the boyfriend who found the capsule in 1959, who isn't quite as corpsey as everybody thinks he is.
2: Dreaming Reich Banshees. Yes!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh, so
0: great. Yeah, so what they do is they try, they stupidly get this guy out of the, they open the cryogenic thing and they get the guy and he starts to twitch and grab the arm and the guys freak out and run away without taking the corpse.
3: Mm
2: hmm. Now the movie starts. Yes. (laughs) And now the fun begins.
1: Yes. Oh, 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 oh. The last major plot point. Yeah. Of course, because there's been a breach, they call the police. Thrill me. Detective Cameron? No. Bozo the Clown. And the venerable, legendary, (laughs) godlike Tom Atkins responds as Detective Ray Cameron. That's right. Who turns out, 27 years before was the young beat cop who came across the car with the young lovebirds and is the jilted lover. So now all the characters are in place on the board.
0: And, of course, as it goes on, what happens? The corpse disappears. Other people get infected with the the creeps. Come the zombies. Well, we
1: have to say what it was. The experiment were these little slug-like critters, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it's a real simple life cycle they go in through the mouth, eat the brain, bust the head open, more slugs. Lay eggs in the brain. Lay eggs in yeah. the brain. You walk around even if you're dead. And you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the basic plot of it right there. And yeah. shenanigans ensue after that. Yes. And of course, you know, Atkins is a joy to watch on screen oh. in anything. Atkins, he he will ta- he'll take your mom and your sister. I'm just saying. And you
1: couldn't stop him.
2: And you know what he would say to them at the time?
1: What would he say, Sam?
2: Real me. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> now, you said Atkins. his character's name is Detective Cameron. All the characters in this movie, their last names are famous horror directors.
1: Yeah, Mr. Screaming Like Branches is Mr. Minor. Minor, and then there's the girl's last name is Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Then there's Romero and yeah. Carpenter. And, and everybody's and name checked in yeah. this. And what Sergeant I think, Ramey and Detective Landis. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. Even the little kind of throwaway yeah. cops He's, to the side. Everybody has a Detective name. Dante and De Palma. You know, thinking back while we were watching the movie, it occurred to me, and Sam, check me on this if I'm wrong. This is the first time I remember that. It's kinda of come become cliche since then. But this is the first time I remember that trope in a movie where the characters were name checked off famous directors. Yeah, I don't
2: I don't recall seeing it before this either, and I was just thinking, you know, in lesser hands, this would have been handled very badly. And we've seen it handled in lesser hands <laughs> many times since then. Indeed. Um, instead of being a tongue in cheek nod to, you know, our favorites and you know the people that we we love it's just done clumsily like uh, the screenwriter couldn't think of anything better
1: or i think well personally to me it's not clumsily it's like look at how much i know wink wink nod nod pay attention to me i'm I'm a horror guy yeah yeah yeah
0: and this you don't notice quite at first it's just after you're like oh that sounded Mm." and then a couple more and then you're like oh i see what they're doing now And,
1: and where do they go to college Corman University. Because, of course, they do. That's
0: right. And who else is in this? Corman has anything to do with it. Dick Miller
1: shows up. And who does he play? Bring it home, Sam.
2: Wait a minute. I, I, like, I know Dick Miller's in this, and I, I lost my train of thought. His character's name
0: in this is what? Actually, uh, they, they only say his first name.
1: And it's, if you zoom in the name tag, it's one his oh, name okay, tag legitimately. Yeah,
0: yeah. But Atkins comes up and calls him Walt. Yes like dick miller and everything he's walter paisley
1: yeah always always and it's another thing i like about this is of course you know atkins is you know for lack of a better word the big name in the movie but everybody gets a chance to shine in this i mean the young kids play naturally with them yeah he doesn't overpower them when he's on screen with them and these are believable as college kids I mean, that's the one thing I really like about this movie is it's it's got a heart. It's there's there's something special about it.
0: Well, you know, it, it's a fun, quick ride. It moves along at a good pace. There's not a slow moment in it. It starts off. You don't know what's going on. You see these aliens. Mm-hmm. It, there's no oh nothing. There's no sea giants movie.
1: No, it's thank all God, practical no. Practical
0: effects. A little mm-hmm. stop motion with the with the the creeps the creeps at the end there, but mostly it's just practical on screen effects, and it starts off with these aliens which which are midgets in in full body suits with big animatronic heads, so and they're really weird looking that way. They don't have any uniforms or anything. They're they're these naked aliens with these big heads and these scowls. So the movie starts off, you're like, what the hell is this? And my wife said, Night of the Creeps is the poster. I thought this was a zombie thing. And there's yeah. aliens. And then, it, oh, okay, we're in the 50s. You're hitting two different things there. And then what happens there with the serial killer? You're like, okay, where's this kind of going? And then it yeah. flashes forward to today. And once the cryogenic guy comes, they get him out. You're like, oh, okay. Now I see the poster is yeah. starting to make more sense. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's an up and down kind of ride, you know,
1: and it, but it just keeps going the whole time. Yeah. Sam, I was telling Rob earlier, years and years ago, a friend of mine here in the Richmond area, he lived in California and he was kind of in with the movie industry and all. And he had opened like video shop that just did horror and sci-fi and cult stuff and everything. And I was hanging out with him one day at his house and he actually had the prop Bradhead. Wow. From when they're sitting on the when him and um Cindy are sitting on the steps yeah. and he's just spitting out the creeps one right after the other. Spoiler <laughs> alert for a movie thirty five years old. You know, <laughs> too late if you haven't seen it by now. But um he actually had that when I walked in I just kinda stopped that. I was like, That's Brad and he and he kinda got to laughing at that. But yeah, I was looking at that, especially after, you know, the um the big event that kinda kicks off the third act is a bus crash. All the jockalacas are going to the formal, and there's a dog that had been kind of creepified, I guess, for lack of a better word, in the middle of the yeah, road. It was the
2: house mother's dog.
1: Yes, the house mother's yeah. dog. We're not going to tell you everything, folks. We you know, got to see a little bit of this. Now, I mean, hell, especially the part with the skyscraper. I mean, that's something else. But, but the creepified house mother's dog's in the middle of the road, and the bus driver taking the dudes to the formal spins to avoid the dog, hits another car, the bus flips over, and pretty much everybody gets wasted. And then the little dog bearing a head full of creeps wanders in. And then shortly after, a fist out of this window, a leg out of this window, and then people start sitting up that shouldn't be sitting up. And I commented to Rob while we were watching this, I said, you know, this is a great little revival scene in the zombie genre. It's creepy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: And a little suspenseful, because it's all of a sudden, you know, the bus is there by itself. There's nothing happening. And then, boom! A wind, like you said, a window breaks out. A fist pumps out, you know? Yeah. And it breaks another window out. And it's just one little thing after another, and then they start coming out of the bus slowly, you know?
1: Yeah, and the beauty is, as you said before, there's no CGI. You can tell these are real effects on real actors, and it's... Yeah. That's That's one thing. We were watching the behind-the-scenes on
0: the disc earlier. And it talked to the makeup team that worked on this. And that was one of the cool things is they all worked start to finish on each piece. And because it was a low budget and they were pressed for time, instead of having another step where they're creating the makeup and then they have to hire cast people to play the zombies. So then they have to do the you know, adapt the makeup to them and cast their faces. The makeup guy suggested to the director, Well, how about if we just play these zombies, the makeup team? That way we can go ahead and get the stuff done and it'll be cheaper because you don't have to pay extra people and they can get it done and get it quick. And, you know, so they did that. So the guys in the bus, the frat guys, are the makeup team
1: and they each did their own makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Rob mentioned earlier that he doesn't think he had actually seen this all the way through. Maybe even until today, Sam, what was your first experience with this?
2: It was on I caught it on cable, so it must have been running on HBO um at some point. Let's see, this was what, 85, 86. So however long it took from movie of this caliber to make it to cable mm-hmm. a cable back then. But at some point I just caught it and I was like, Oh, oh. It was I was delighted. You know, it was Indeed. Like such such an entertaining film yes. to be what it is. And, you know, I, what I keep coming back, you know, because Rob's hit on this already, right? Yep. It starts out, Aliens in Space. Then it's the 50s. You've got the Axe Murderer News Report, which is a well-known urban legend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, you know, you've got uh, space slugs. You've got zombies. Flash forward to modern times, right? The mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And you hit all these notes and all these tropes. Like you said, the, the characters all named after somebody else, right? And at the top of the list, Corman University. It could have been handled so badly and ineptly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very easily. Given, Given that this is Decker's first feature film, and yet it is a beautiful work of art, there are parts of it that I think, you know, feel like, hmm, we pulled this out of an issue of weird science, and we pulled this part out of an issue of Tales from the Crypt, and we just kind of mushed them together, and there aren't any seams. It's beautiful. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. hmm Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. Because it
0: is. It's all these different genres within the genre mixed together in a pot and stirred up, mm-hmm. and like you said, it, it could have been a mess, but it,
1: it just flows seamlessly, the whole thing. It works, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't see it until it came out on videotape. That was my first experience. But I remember seeing the newspaper ad for it. Do you all remember the glorious days of the Friday newspaper? Oh, with all the yes. one sheets and the. Mo- oh, those were the days. You kids, you, you Man, just don't know today.
0: Brother, I, let me tell you, I used to scrap love books. getting the weekend paper and open it up. I, around here, it was called the Daily Break section, which was mm-hmm. the entertainment section, and open it up and look at all
1: the movie ads for the movies that were coming It, it was like looking at a toy catalog.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, but. In the days before Cineplexes, again, these kids won't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you had to go, oh, well, look, this movie is playing at the state. And this movie is playing at Cinema West. And this one is playing at uh, the pilot. Or yeah. I'm making up the internet yep. now, right? Yeah. But yeah. you're like, oh, if I want to see this stuff, I have to chase all over town. And I got to budget it, right? I got to mm-hmm. figure out how much money do I have? How many times am I going to have to ask for a ride or change buses or whatever mm-hmm. to, to make this work out in my favor mm-hmm. for these things? Because when they left the theater, it wasn't like they went to a different theater. That was it. They were gone. Yeah, they were they gone. They gone. Today, it's like, oh, well, this is opening in opening on three screens at this uh, multiplex and two screens at this multiplex and two screens at that multiplex. And then this other theater over here, and you're like, yeah, really? And if really? I don't
1: go see it this week, you know, I'll wait three weeks, it'll be on Blu-ray at Walmart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go now. Yeah. But to kind of tie back to your point, and what I was saying about the ads, is I remember being a little kid back home, and I opened a paper, and there's a guy and a gal, in formal wear, oh. And the guy has a shotgun, and the girl has a flamethrower, <laughs> yeah. and they're surrounded by zombies. Now, if that poster doesn't sell you on wanting to see that movie, and I don't know if this was a regional thing or not, because I know they mentioned you know it wasn't a huge financial success and it didn't really do well upon initial release. I think they marketed it differently in different areas, because back home in Baltimore, it was called Homecoming Night. Oh, wow. It wasn't called Night of the Creeps. Huh. So it had at least one other title.
0: Yeah. Well, they said the one of the guys on the behind the scenes, that was a producer, director, not the director, but they were talking about the marketing campaign was really weird. The studio, the first poster for it, had a, a zombified hand reaching through a broken window, unlocking the door from the inside. Yes. And, and they said, wait a minute, this poster looks almost like the poster for a movie called House where it was the, the disembodied hand reaching for the door. Yeah, people might get confused because the posters are real similar. And the studio at first didn't want to change it, but I think they did change it eventually to the one of that the zombie guy in the tuxedo standing on the outside of the door looking in, right?
2: In the right. The, the poster? Yeah. yeah. So Well, and go ahead, Rob. You oh no, be- I, I was just going
0: to say that that's you when you were talking about marketing there, Craig, you know, about how different regions. And it really does affect how a movie is seen, the promotion of it like that. There's, when we did the podcast on Last House on the Left, before it was called Last House on the Left, it was called three different titles and released under the three different titles. And it didn't do well under the different titles until Last House on the Left for some reason and the marketing campaign, then people went to see it.
2: And that's an interesting thing too. I'm looking at the posters now. Okay, so the zombie hand poster has the tagline, if you scream you're dead. The poster that has Chris with the shotgun and what the, what's Cindy. her name? Cindy. Cindy, yes, with the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Also carries the tagline, if you scream, you're dead. And then there's another poster here that looks like if this is even an original poster, or it's a VHS table or what, because it's got Atkins right in the middle of it, and still, <laughs> tagline, if you scream, you're dead, and then there's, of course there's the the zombie in the tux standing outside the window with the flowers mm-hmm. that has the tagline we all know. The good news is your date is here. The bad news is he's dead.
0: Yeah, and which I think that's the image that made it to the VHS box. Yeah.
2: It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah.
1: I also love that It's image. a
2: better tagline. It oh, is. Yeah, is. Yeah,
1: I've never even other heard that first when you were talking about Sam. I've yeah. never heard yeah. that until just now.
2: If you scream you're dead is a good tagline, but not for this movie.
1: Yeah. No. Mean...
2: This movie does not take itself too seriously. Exactly. glorious. glory. Yeah.
1: Now, that picture with the guy with the tux reaching through and unlocking the door, I love that picture because we were at some convention, I forget which one it was, Rob, if it was Blood at the Beach or something, and it was at one of the t-shirt kiosks. Yeah. And you were looking through it, and you saw that shirt, and somebody saw you looking at it. Uh-huh. And they said, "Hey, you're gonna get that." He goes, "No, but I know someone that will." And twenty <laughs> minutes later, I came around. I'm like, "Rob, check out this, check this out."
0: <laughs> and I said, "Of course you did."
1: That's right, because that's because that's that's how we roll. <laughs> but um, and again with the catchphrases, you know Atkins with all the the classic, "Throw me," and the good news is your dates are here and all. My favorite line I was telling <laughs> Rob this, Sam. My favorite line in the whole movie. Comes right after that when he's in the sorority house and the girls are running around and he's like, you know, good news is your days here, bad news is your day, and girls are running around and he looks up and he's just exasperated with this.
0: Because a couple of the girls start running to the front door Yeah, to go with, with this
1: collegiate Tom Fuller he's like, exasperated, he's like, well, don't go out there! And <laughs> yeah. the way he says it it's just, just a, every time it gets me. It's just a natural delivery, like somebody would yeah. say, you know. Yeah. And the way he's, Now! <laughs> Yeah, and everyone's like you know, Detective Cameron. No, Bullwinkle Moose, <laughs> and always introducing himself as something as somebody different. Atkins in this is cool. His character is really kind of a
0: throwback to the film noir, hardball, two-fisted detective.
2: Yes, guys, there, there again, another EC comic, Two Fisted Tales. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Yeah. And he, he, his apartment is littered with the old detective magazines, and he kind of dresses down like. Not period, but could be. He could almost fit in in a in a fifties era because he's very plain, slacks, yes. button up shirt, mm-hmm. tied trench coat.
1: Well, you know, thinking about it now, yeah. If you go back and watch the movie. His whole apartment is like that. He's yeah. got that little stove. That old. He's got stove. that bed with the bedspread comforter on it that you know grandma had. Yeah. There's nothing in his house that's new. Well, and the car he drives modern. is that.
0: What is it? Mercury. Ah, uh, yeah. Like that, I think you said the 49 oh, the or 49 whatever. Mercury, yeah, it was a 49 yeah. Mercury Beautiful car.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So yeah, he's his character is set in his quirk and his, his traits. You know, yep. you 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 can see
1: his surroundings. And you know what kind of guy he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the tragedy is, if they were to make this today, that character would be like The Rock or somebody just huge and muscled up, and there would be no character there. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the story with the girlfriend, you know, Sam, like you were saying, would be handled so badly, they'd have flashbacks, and he'd wake up in a cold sweat, and he'd cut all the, the pill bottles on the side of the... The table and him staring moodily into the the raindrops coming down the window yeah. pane or Which, you know they give you that, but they don't put it in your face. Yeah, but it's not the ham fisted way they would do it in twenty twenty. No, no. It's like
0: when it pans across or it shows stuff on his table or whatever, he reaches for something and there's a prescription bottle there. Mm-hmm. But they don't like but, focus on that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a mental thing. Help.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's not done in a, you pay attention to me or you, you know, I, I, there's so many things we could get sidetracked and griping about changes in times, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sorry, kids. But, um, <laughs> look, uh, let me just divert briefly here. You've seen Psycho, right? Yes. Sir. Yeah. Okay. And you know, the opening scene with Marion Crane and, and her boyfriend, right?
3: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Um, Something has happened in that hotel room, but Hitchcock doesn't feel the need to show us what has happened. We're intelligent enough to figure it out. And if you're not, you know, ask your parents. Yeah. (laughs) But the more as time has gone by, it's like, well, we don't trust our audience to be intelligent enough to connect these dots. So we're going to put all the dots on the screen and then walk you through them, hand-holding as we go. So that um, you can figure out what we mean here, and if we don't show you that, people don't know what's going on. Yeah, they got to yeah. spoon
0: feed it to you.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how much of that is, you know, a function of lazy filmmaking, and how much of that is a function of audiences who can only watch a movie for three minutes at a time before they gotta update their status or whatever, and you kids get off my lawn. But yeah, yeah. you know that whole thing, but. There's so many little touches. Like, I told Rob while we were watching this, Sam, and again, I keep saying that because we're remoting Sam in from the uh, from the satellite layer in the Marianas Trench. <laughs> when they catch up to the axe murder later on in the movies and all the cops are opening up on him, the first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I was like, what is that light? Do the slugs light up, you know, when you shoot them or whatever? And it didn't dawn on me until much later that as they're shooting him, it's the headlights of the patrol car at the beginning of the alley that are shining through him to illustrate how much damage they're doing to this guy, and he's just not falling down. Yeah. And it's occasional even, that was too subtle even for me for many years to realize, oh, okay, that's a cool little touch.
0: I I tell you, you it's kind of subtle. And it's it's subtle, but it's not subtle. It's right in your face, but they don't dwell on it. The scene where Spanky is going to, he's got the recording from Alfalfa, and he's going to tell Atkins what's happened. Yep. The scene, Atkins is laying on his couch, I think he might have a drink or a smoke there, and he's thinking about everything that's happened, and there's like flashback voiceovers of that scene. I don't know if it's flashbacks
1: or he's just listening to the radio like cool okay. jazz or something.
0: Yeah, and he's just sitting there kind of looking around. And, you know, that's it. That's He's just sitting in his apartment, just kind of sitting there. And, you know, he's got a just morose look on his face, but he's not he doesn't look sad or pissed off or anything, you know. And Spanky comes to the door, and there's tape around the door. And you're like, oh, hes I'm thinking he doesn't want the slugs to get in. Yeah. That's what he yep. he's seen him already. And he peels the tape off. So he, I don't think anything about it. And he talks to Spanky and he convinces him we gotta, you know, to go get these guys. And Atkins is like, oh, like, okay, god damn it. So he gets his coat on, he reaches under the the uh bed and grabs his twelve gauge, and then he goes over to his stove, which you see it's open, and you hear right. the gas on, and you're like, oh, Holy crap, he was gonna kill himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he goes over there and he, he cuts the stove off and flips the thing up and like and he gets a look like, oh well. Like, guess I'm not doing that this time. You know, but it's, nothing is ever said about it. It's not put in your face. It's not presented to you that, that he's so sad and he's over and done with it. But it just plays right out. And you're like, oh. It it hits you that he was, because of what happened in the alley and, and everything in his past, he's done. He yeah. was going to end it. But he's... Got to go help these people and take care of business and be a cop. It's like you said earlier, he's got a sense of purpose again. Yeah. He gets a sense of purpose right then. And he goes and, but that scene is beautiful because, like I said, it's not put in your face that that's what's happening and trying to make you feel so down with him.
1: Mm -hmm. It's just all of a sudden it hits you like, oh, damn, he was going to end it. And the little things I like in that scene is before. He goes over to the stove, you know, it's, he's gearing up for battle, and he's got his trusty thirty-eight, and he kind of like, you know, slams it into the holster, and he gets the 12-gauge from under the bed, and then right before he turns off all the burners, and you can see that the pilot lights are all out, he kind of like hefts the shotgun one or two good times, and then he shuts it off, he's like, okay, he's gearing up to go. Yeah. So, it's just so well done. And you wouldn't think of it. Coming out of this type of movie, you know, yeah, this little kind of throwaway monster Saturday afternoon yeah. movie. There's so much here, yeah, and because it is an eighties <coughs> horror movie, you got some bare
3: boots. Yes.
0: yes, yes, you do. And, you know, because that's one thing that's kind of missing, I think. And you know, to be to be serious about it or to be funny about it, that was one of the tropes of a lot of eighties slasher movies. Is you know, you had some gratuitous TNA. It was just kind of part of the film, you know, because they're geared... The movies are geared towards young adults, teenagers, young adults. And now most of the cast, typically, the victims were. And the audience was. So that you could pretty much be assured in, in any slash film, there was going to be a little bit of TNA at some point. It wasn't intense. It wasn't... It was just kind of fun part of the thing. Like, oh, here's girls in the shower because the killer's coming after them. You know, or here's a couple... Trying to, you know, get busy with each other and they get interrupted. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this it's it's a sorority house and the girls... And they're getting ready for the formal. They're getting ready for the formal. You know, so you got a little bit of that.
1: And it's not every girl. It's just a few here, a few there. Just to spike your interest in case, you know, it would have been a little while since stuff had happened. And I, I can't
0: recall many modern horror movies having that kind of fun and innocent
1: TNA. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't recall any within twenty years. Yeah, mainstream, mainstream. We're not yeah, talking mainstream. about independent. Yeah. But first of all, they say you know it's the cheapest special effect there is. Oh yeah, and and secondly, you know, and we're going to tangent off, and you know, Sam said earlier we could tangent off, but that's kind of what we do here. That's <laughs> why we're talking here. <laughs> yep, yep. And if you didn't think we were gonna, first of all, not sure how you got here, but um. <laughs> You know, I think that's another reflection of society, you know, when, to go back to what you were saying, Sam, about how fun things were. Yeah. Things were a lot freer back then. If you try that now, oh, it's misogynistic, you're using women as a prop, you're this, you're that, and it would open up a whole can of worms just to try to have that one little shower scene, that little 20-second throwaway And it's not gratuitous of somebody leaning in. It's just, hey, they're getting ready for the formal, and oh my God, people are in the shower taking, getting cleaned up and getting dressed. And it's natural. It's not gratuitous. It's not thrown in there. It's a little bit of something for the fellows in the audience, you know. And to be fair, they show the guys getting ready as well with no shirts on, maybe a little something for the girlfriends in the audience, too. But you can't, you can't do that nowadays. I don't know if it's because they've lost the art of filmmaking, or because society just said you can't anymore.
0: We got more Victorian as we've pre- gotten freer. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. You know, I, thinking back, I was talking. To, we were all saying about we can't think of a movie in the last horror movie in the last twenty years, but I did think of one: Hatchet. Yes, Hatchet was a nice throwback
1: to eighties horror. Yes, it was. You know, I have all of those movies on DVD, and I'll I'll pull them out and watch them more than I'll pull out, like, The Avengers or something big-budget today, because, again, there's a heart to those movies.
0: Hatchet was a low-budget, you know, almost an independent, I guess it was an independent horror film. Yeah. came out 10, 15 years ago.
1: Yes. Something Something like like that, yeah.
0: God almighty. And mid-2000s, early 2000s. And all practical effects, on-screen effects. Mm -hmm. Had a little bit of gratuitous, you know, a little bit of boob shots in there. It had some characters that were fun, you know, as individuals. Likeable. Likeable. Yeah, likeable people. Uh, had a, a great monster killer. And it moved along at a really good pace. You know, and so that's probably about the only one that I can think of. That, that was yeah. kind of along the lines of Night of the Creeps as far as a fun horror movie.
2: I'm coming in late here because I had to confirm my source material and also listening to you guys, so I got distracted. But uh, as Ed Wood said, "What's the one thing you put him in a film, you guarantee success? Tits." Hey, yeah.
1: God love you, Ed Wood. No, a
2: star. Okay, crap with a star
1: <laughs> <laughs> and crap and, with uh, a
2: star and tits. You know. Yeah.
0: And you. Know, and speaking of Ed Wood, I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot. In one of the scenes in this, they're watching Plan 9 from Outer Space, okay? Yeah. Or two of the scenes, really. Yeah. Somebody's watching Plan 9 from Outer Space, and there's a scene where, where Atkins arrives on the scene at one of the frat houses, and he's walking up, and there's a rose bush there, and he leans down and smells one of the roses, and then keeps on going, and that parallels the scene where Legosi in Plan 9 yes. comes out of his house, looks around, reaches over and smells one of the roses, and then he goes... And immediately gets killed
1: right after that. (laughs) And what do you say? The old man left his house that day never to return. Yeah, yeah. And that was nice little tribute, I think. Very much so.
2: Well, so many tributes because as you guys were talking about, you know, it becomes clear at at a point Atkins is still carrying a torch for the girl that was killed by the axe murderer back in fifty nine. Yeah, and Uh he's carrying guilt, even though he put an end to the axe. Again, spoiler. He put an end to the axe murderer, (laughs) but then that guy comes back, right? And he realizes, "Uh, I've got business to finish, right? Yeah. A lot of it depends on tropes, Mm -hmm. but still, they are they are integrated in such a wonderful way that this film feels fresh and original, even though so many of its parts are retreads.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: But it, it, it comes together and makes you, ooh, this is nice. Yep. To, and then you uh you just like oh wow it is again so delightful the way it, everything just unfolds in a way that is reverent to the what came before it and yet fresh yeah it mm-hmm. and, and it is a very quick
0: moving movie that it seems like you know i don't even know what the running time is on this but it feels like it's a really quick movie but uh, it's not 87 but, minutes okay so it's yeah so it's almost 90 minutes long almost standard time but it doesn't feel like it's a short movie.
1: There's just you know? no fat in it.
0: Yeah. It, like I said earlier, it, it doesn't slow down at any part. Any mm-hmm. It just gets going and keeps on going the whole time.
1: And and it's completely entertaining the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, I wanted to chime in on what Sam was saying just a few minutes ago about how he never got over that girl. Yeah. That, that he failed in the car. If you look at his clothes and his car and his apartment, time stopped for him then. Yes. And that that's a great little character trait that's not put in your face, but you pick up on it. Yeah, you pick up on it. That's when, for lack of a better word, his life ended because he carried a torch for her, and now there's never, ever a chance of getting her back, so he never progressed past that night. That's a good point there. There really is. Because everything in his life refers back to that night. That's probably the car he owned when he was dating her.
3: Yeah. You know,
1: that's probably the same shotgun and the same pistol he carried (laughs) the night he went out and found that guy. You know that's the same shotgun he used. Oh, yeah. They never say it in a movie, but you know in your heart that's the same shotgun.
3: Yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: And, yeah, it's like Sam said. He never got over her, which means that he never moved forward. His life stopped that night.
0: Yeah, and in, in a movie nowadays, they would have to tell you that. You know, he would have to say it to somebody else yeah. in dialogue. Cameron, she's been dead twenty-seven years, yeah. man. Let her go. Or somebody it wasn't have... your fault. Yeah, or somebody would have to say it about him. But this if is... that
1: would be
2: more the more the point that. Well, don't you realize he hasn't been the same since that night? Yeah,
1: exact. Yeah, exactly. Like, Thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: and this they just—it's all of that—is put into his character. His surroundings and his his mode of dress.
1: Yeah. And you get it in one line where his partner's like, he's like, Ray, that guy disappeared 27 years ago. Yeah. And that's all you need is that one line because he already told Spanky the story. Yep. He knows what the deal is. You know that nobody else knows what the deal is. And even the acting of his partner that delivers that line, it's so natural. He's like, dude, get over it. It's fine.
3: Yeah.
0: But because of, like you said, because of his car and his apartment, the way he dresses, you kind of subconsciously get that without it
3: being told to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like, you know, when uh, he says, you know, I I buried him. And it turns out, well, you buried him under land that would eventually become the house mother's cottage.
1: Yeah. That Uh little scene with Spanky is so great when he's telling (laughs) him the whole story. And he's in his own little world, and he's like, should, should you be telling me this close? Yeah. I tracked him down. And he just goes on with the rest of the story, and you can tell he is just not even there. He is back in that night. Yeah. And it, it's just a brilliant piece of acting. Because it's Atkins. Yeah. And and it's well, just yeah. so well written. I mean, it's I mean, it's amazing what you could do with a little B-movie 35 years ago.
2: Well, if you think about that scene between Atkins and – what's that kid's name? Uh, Chris. uh, Jason Lively, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a longer, not nearly as good version of that kind of interaction with Pacino and uh, Chris O'Donnell in Scent of a Woman.
0: Oh, really? Yes, you're
3: right.
2: But it's not nearly as good in in the time allotted for it. Mm -hmm. as the intensity of this quick little scene – which tells you so much like you guys have said it communicates so much in mm-hmm. not that amount of time and and just the one response should you be telling me this
1: <laughs> yeah yeah such a great line another question so for like, you Sam yeah which ending did you see
2: i saw the alternate ending was what was attached to the version that i saw with the uh, the cemetery
1: okay Okay. And
2: later, when I uh, saw it, I saw it on uh, cable. I'm sorry. Wait. The first time I saw it, I think it was on HBO. When it eventually showed up on something like USA or 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 TBS or something mm-hmm. much later, they went with the other ending with the dog. Okay. And I'm and I'm going, wait, what? <laughs> because I thought the cemetery ending is a much better ending. Oh, I'm going to step out and
1: I'm going to let you and Rob deal with this. The only thing I'm going to say before you two get into it, because I'm just going to sit back and listen to this. (laughs) The VHS tape I had, Uh had the dog ending. Okay. Because to me, when you say, when folks say alternate ending, to me, the cemetery ending is the alternate ending. But even on the DVD, even on the DVD copy here, Uh it ends with the cemetery ending and the dog ending is the alternate. Yeah. But in my world in my timeline, the <laughs> dog is the natural ending cuz that's yeah. what was on the videotape well, that I got.
0: You know, I I like
1: both. I mean, we're not going to get into it. Like I like <laughs> no. both. Oh, uh, yeah. I you like
0: are. I like the cemetery poke poke. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cemetery ending up until you see the spaceship. Mm. I think that was a little if it would have stopped with the you see them going into the cemetery and then it shows you the cemetery and just end, you would have been like, oh, some more could happen. But the spaceship is like, oh, what is it, since the 50s, now they're just getting here? (laughs) And and that big ass ship and nobody in town saw it come in? (laughs) You know, break atmosphere or
1: anything? Well, well, I'm going to say from experience, when there's a house on fire right in front of you, that tends to draw all your attention.
0: But I mean, nobody else saw the ship. It, It wasn't like a little craft. It was like a Star Destroyer almost.
2: It was
1: big. Yeah. Maybe it was a Klingon bird of prey. Who knows? Well,
2: okay. but um, Star Trek joke. As they like to say oh, yeah. on sins, nobody who watches the skies for a living notice this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? But I did like the um
0: the ending with the dog, but it's the same thing. It gives you a little like, oh, oh wait, is that that dog? Yes, that is. It. Oh, 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 did she get it? It went to black.
2: What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, they're both good endings. Now, I got to confess, I like the cemetery ending, and not until much later did I ever stop to think, why did it take the ship so long to finally show (laughs) up? It's been almost 30 years.
1: Now, I have have an explanation for that. But finish finish your points, man. I'm sorry. But
2: um, when I saw the dog ending, I'm like, okay, that's not bad. The only thing I really dislike about that is, you know, because it was a dog, they had to use that awkward uh, freeze frame yeah yeah you know uh neither ending is bad Mm -hmm. um they both get you to the same spot um i think it's just you know kind of like which one did you see first which holds more Mm -hmm. of an emotional attachment for you you know
1: yeah now see i would have liked the cemetery ending if it would have cut before the spaceship like, if somehow there was somebody else walking around, or you see one of the frat boys. Cause the other thing you didn't like, Rob, was it oh. was Atkins.
0: Yeah, you see the, the, like the shlam, shambling corpse, of burn-up corpse of Atkins walking, and then he falls, and the things come out of his skull. And I'm sorry, but no alien would have used, been able to use Atkins.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. if it would have been like that <laughs> one... And I don't know if they use someone, like an actual amputee, but you see that one kid come crawling out of the bus and only has one leg. Yeah. Now, if you would have seen, like, if they would have cut to the end where you see him crawling, because he's slower than everybody else. He's not making it to the house with everybody else. If he crawled and then just fell over and his skull split and you hear a little bling, bling, bling noise right outside the okay. cemetery gates, I that would have worked for me. Let's combine them.
0: It would have been cool if you saw the little dog walk up and you saw his face that it was that dog. And then went into the cemetery.
1: How about that? I'm, I would work with that as well. Okay. That would be cool with me as well. <laughs> but my explanation to Rob about why it took 30 years for the ship to get here is at the beginning, when the little guy's running and he's got the um, experiment tube for the creeps, it's like he just throws it out of airlock. He's not aiming it in a cannon. He's not shooting it to Earth. So the aliens didn't know where it went. So they're probably just scrubbing from planet to planet all along the trajectory. And of course, for dramatic effect, the night everything goes to shit is the same night that they get here to look for the creeps. But yeah, he just it just just sailed right out there. Just 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 sailed right out right out there. Yeah, he didn't shoot it as a cannon to, like, invade Earth or, like, you know, with these spores or... Yeah, It's like, you know, what coordinates did he aim? You know, what planet were we passing or whatever? He just threw it out there desperately just to get it off the ship. And the other thing that I really like about this movie... Uh Uh-huh. You never get any explanation about those aliens and what they were doing with the experiment. Yeah. That little, like, two minutes at the beginning... About don't let that experiment off the ship and they're chasing. The ship. That's all you get. Yeah, yeah. You get to write that story yourself. Yeah. Well, I
0: think that's that's another thing too. It's that kind of bugs me about it, but on the other hand, it's kind of cool. Is by this point, by the end of the film, you have forgotten about the aliens. Yes. You know, because that was just a little prologue at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever mentioned throughout the rest of the movie about. So you've forgotten about them. So, it gets to the cemetery, and then that light goes. It's like, where'd that light come from? And then you see the ship, you're like, oh! Oh, yeah, the aliens!
1: <laughs> they started this! So, yeah. it could kind of come around in a little circle yeah. thing. Yeah. But it goes back again to, you know, what, uh, what Brother Sam was saying. I saw the dog ending first. So, to me, the dog ending yeah. is canon. Yeah. But, you know...
0: I Your mileage it, may vary. I think the dog ending feels a little more like an 80s movie.
1: That's true. The the Like yep. the stinger at the tail, or... Yeah. But, to get back again, like the spaceship ending and the cemetery ending, to me, that uh, feels more like you will get, as Sam was saying earlier, like from an EC-50s kind of comics yeah, okay. type thing. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely give you that. Yeah, that's true. Just see the creep pulling up, well, kitties, and, you know... <laughs> that type of thing. Of course, you
0: know, they if they could have marketed it like clue and you know, see a
1: ending A at this theater, see ending B at this theater. <laughs> see, we're not telling you which one it is. Spend money till you see them both. <laughs> yeah. That'll boost your box office
2: <laughs> and then get get somebody to start the rumor that well, did you guys see the ending where the bounty hunter shows up to actually collect the slugs? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. And, I mean, there's... It's a fun little movie. There's a lot to it. I mean, it's almost like movies like this are kind of a lost art. And will you ever see them again? Except, you know, guys like Adam Green that are making Hatchet and folks that are students of 80s. Because, you know, the practical effects alone... ...are a love letter to the past. The fact that they oh, used yeah. practical effects in Hatchet... ...and the fact that they directly stayed away from CGI. I think that's a big reason why the Thing prequel failed... ...because it was initially marketed as... ...we're going back like the original... ...and we're going to use practical effects... ...and when it came out... ...they had gone digital with all the effects... Oh, ...and yeah. people stayed away in droves... Yeah. ...and the team that was going to do... ...the practical effects for the Thing prequel went and made a movie called Harbinger. And it was very similar to the thing, except it came from, like, the ocean or whatever. It's got Lan huh. Hemrickson in it. And they went all practical effects with it. And that was very well received in the horror community.
0: Oh, see, I haven't seen that. I I'll got go it, like, on out. video
1: demand one oh, okay. day. okay, yeah. And their selling point was, hey, this is what we were going to do for the thing, but they screwed us out of it at the last minute but they didn't screw up they screwed you out of it at the last minute so huh. the horror huh. community kind of really rallied around it and they actually I think did crowdfunding to finish making the movie and it was wor- very well received in the huh. community wow so
0: I'll check that out now this is available on DVD of course yes mm-hmm. i don't, i don't think it's on any of the Roku channels or anything like that or Amazon where you can stream it that i know of mm-hmm. which
1: i'm you know hell with that anyway I think Shaw Factory put out, like, a very nice... Is there a blue ray Maybe a Blu-ray or yes. one of those 4K oh, steel. There a,
2: there's a Blu-ray. I actually got it for less than the DVD cost.
1: No kidding. Oh, wow. I may have to pick that up. What well, company puts that out?
2: I do not recall. Okay. Let me see if I can't get an answer. But while I'm thinking about it, you know, you're saying we probably won't see movies like this again. Night of the Creeps was, what, Eighties. 86.
1: 86. And the only reason I know that is because it's in the opening crawl. It says Pledge Week 8, 1986.
2: (laughs) 87. Uh, Raimi gave us Evil Dead 2. Wow. And Peter Jackson gave us Bad Taste. Oh, yeah. Now, you know what those two guys went on to do. Oh, yeah. But, you know, as delighted as I am by their work, they're not going to go backwards to that kind of thing. No, no. And and I wouldn't expect them to, but I mean, I just mean there's something about that era where it's like, huh. And I don't know if it has a lot to do with the home video market because, you know, at, at some point there in the '80s, it's like everybody knew you could get a movie put to video. I mean, and now you for a while there in the early, late '90s, early 2000s, you could get a DVD distribution deal. Now you have to work on a streaming deal instead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the same thing, and yet it's not the same thing because, well basically the entire twentieth century has to come with a disclaimer now.
3: Oh jeez.
2: Hmm. Uh attitudes were different then. We're sorry that Jill doesn't have any agency of her own in the film. And so on and so forth. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you mean the girl it, with the flamethrower that's going around blowing all the zombies away somehow they she would not be a strong female character today.
3: Somehow, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. I just I just you know, there, there's just so much positive you could say about this movie. And again, it's it's one of the little undiscovered gems.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's got a healthy cult f- yeah. following, but it's really not mentioned in the same breath as yeah. a lot of other... Such as movies. Evil Dead
1: 2. Or, yeah. yeah.
0: Or, you know, or the, the big ones like Halloween and Friday the 13th and all mm-hmm. that. This is one of those that later in the conversation somebody will bring up. Oh, have you seen Night of the Creeps?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, you'll hear, you'll hear Phantasm first, or you will hear, this is more along the lines, have you seen The Burning? Have you seen Night of the Creeps? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think it deserves to be a little higher on the tier, because like we've been saying, it's, it's a better, it's a better movie than, than I gave it credit for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do. Upon this viewing now, it's like, oh, I got a better, you know, a higher appreciation for this thing. And is it you know? Is it high art? No, it's an '80s horror film, but it's very well done, and it um, doesn't ask a lot of you. But sit back no. and enjoy it. And but there's a lot more in it than on the
2: surface. Yeah, let me backtrack for a second. Uh, yeah. Shout Factory did do a Blu-ray. The one I have was a release from
1: Sony. Okay. Uh,
2: I guess the Shout Factory one might be a better one with I don't know how many extra features it has. But, you know, you come back to what you were just saying, Rob, you know, it's like it comes along at the right time. It's the right thing. You probably never see anything like it again because, yeah, I mean, earlier you mentioned, well, if they remade it, you or Craig once said if they remade it today, they'd, they'd give the lead to um, The Rock. You know, maybe they'd give it to Chris Pratt. I don't know. But if Atkins <laughs> had not done this, if Atkins had not done this, I mean, who else would you have given it to? Fred Ward? Fred Ward would have been good. Yeah, somebody like that.
0: You, you need a, a grizzled, a believable guy who's a little world-weary. Yes. You don't need a supermodel um, bodybuilder guy.
2: No. No. I mean, God forbid they give it to Wahlberg, right? <laughs> yeah. So So, yeah, it,
0: Fred Ward would probably be the, off the top of my head, the only the guy from that era that would pull it off. But Atkins, you know, is Atkins. He's great. Everything that he's in is is got, if not a mainstream following, mean, has a cult following, and I think it's largely due to, or at least fifty percent due to Atkins. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, you think of uh, Halloween three or The Fog, and he's got great lines in in each of these movies, and he's just a, a enjoyable presence on the screen. Well, even when he's in Lethal Weapon, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. If you get a chance, if you haven't seen, have you watched any of the behind-the-scenes footage, Sam, on the DVD? Yes, yes. got some nice stuff on there. Nice interviews with Atkins and the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. all have a great appreciation for
1: being in the film. And, they, and
0: apparently they all had a great time working together. That's always good to hear, too.
1: Oh, yeah. It was just a joy to watch this. Yeah. It was just a joy to watch because I mean, you have zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date for the formal. <laughs> well, this know- is classic, Spanky. It's got everything, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it does.
0: And it's one of those—you know—it's not one of those horror movies where you watch the horror movie and you feel depressed after it, or you feel down, or you feel, ugh, God, I feel creepy, or I just feel <laughs> awful. No. We watched this, we saw a horror movie, and it wasn't making fun of itself, it wasn't tongue-in-cheek, it wasn't, like, campy, but we watched this horror movie, and I was ready to, like, go get, go get some dinner, or watch another horror movie, or just, you know, I felt good after watching it.
2: Yeah. Well, let me run down some stuff here for you, just as a point of comparison, because okay, uh, again, I'm kind of stuck on this, but 1986, right? So, we had Aliens. Ah. Mm. Right. Everybody loves camera. We have aliens. We also had April Fool's Day.
1: Oh, wow. I saw that in the theaters with my mom. Wow. I had
2: Chopping
1: no idea Mall. what the
2: fuck
0: happened oh. in that movie. Chopping Mall. There you go. There's another fun 80s yeah. horror movie.
2: Class of Newcomb High. Oh, wow. <laughs> Critters. Yeah. Uh, skip, 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 skip. The Fly. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. From Beyond with Combs, right? Mm. Oh. The Hitcher. Yeah. Mm. All right. You mentioned House because of the poster. House came out the same year. Uh Uh-huh. Invaders from Mars. Toby Hooper. Oh, nice. Little Shop of Horrors.
1: Oh. Very cool. Uh,
2: Stephen King gave us Maximum Overdrive.
3: Yeah. I'm going to scare the hell out of
2: you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's see. What else of notable mention here? Uh, Rawhead Rex, perhaps. Oh. Terror Vision. Yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh Witchford. Yeah. Tony Catane. Mm-hmm. And um The Wraith. Remember when Charlie Sheen is uh Yes, 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 yes. Now that's not an exhaustive list. I'm just picking out some ones and everyone's gonna go, oh yeah, and react yeah. to but, So it was a it was a
0: good year for horror movies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of competition there and a lot a lot to choose from.
2: And yet you think about did anything else have this particular type of quirky attitude was there a sorority house massacre
1: oh wow i call it a it has a sense of charm to it yeah yes it does it does i mean some of those other ones i like for different reasons each one mm-hmm. i mean joel whitlow for like two or three months topped my celebrity crush list i'm not going to lie <laughs> Yeah. yeah had yes. the brunette dark uh, eyes combo this would be a fun movie to see at the drive-in if they did it for Monster Rama one weekend. Oh, yeah.
0: This would be awesome. Yes.
1: I think we'd have yes. a great time watching this on the big we screen. Know,
0: and come to find out, Atkins says on the behind the scenes that he moved back to Pittsburgh, which is only about an hour away from the drive-in. True, true. So if they were to get this at the drive-in, how awesome would it be if they got Atkins to show up?
2: That would be a joy. You know? Oh, man.
0: The place would be. I mean, it's packed every time we go, but it would be, yeah,
1: it would be... Definitely be packed if Atkins was... People knew he was going to show up. Oh, can up. you even imagine? <laughs> Have mercy.
0: And, of course, we're talking about the drive-in, the Super Monster Rama drive-in in Vandegrift, Pennsylvania, that they do in April and in September. And it's... Each time, it's a Friday and a Saturday, four classic horror movies each night, Dust till dawn, and it's beautiful. It's such a fun time. If you get a chance to check that place out, you got to go it's up there one time. We've been going for quite a few years off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a few years where it's like, well, the schedule's just not working out, or the, the lineup's
1: not one we want to drive five hours to see, you know. But You guys want a reality check? The first year, I think, yeah. we, you, the Jay Bland and Tony went, Rob, was in 2009. Wow. That's how long it's been. So it has been a few years. Yeah, a few. Yeah. A few.
0: But it's always a good time there. and And Tom Savini shows up, and... Doug Bradley shows up, and they're not guests; they just show up to watch the movies. We've seen them about every time or every other time we've been there. It's just a good time, and the people who run the place do a bang up job of of making a good time for everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: there's a free plug,
3: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and then we just hang around and just be goofballs together, and it's just a great social time. Yeah, we have a good weekend of eating drive-in food, watching horror movies, and Fried Oreos,
0: and yeah, and visiting some local spots around uh, mm-hmm.
1: v- Vandergrift, Monroeville, Pittsburgh area. There, it's it's just hard to beat. But this, I think, this would be a great film to get there. What would you put on the bill
2: with it? You know, because many oh. times with mm. Vandergrift, you know they'll they'll do thematic things. Like the last time we went together, yeah. Rob, yes, sir, they had all those uh, nation films, all the all shoot, yeah. uh, werewolf films. So.
0: Well, it's 80s. I think Chopping Mall would have to be on there with it.
2: I would put mm-hmm. Chopping Mall in that, yeah. Bill. I would definitely consider some Evil Dead 2, unless they were want to do something different for Raimi.
0: Yeah, you know, personally, I would do something different, because for me, that one's been played to death.
2: Well, that is a good point. You can see that anywhere. Yeah.
0: Well, if you're going to pull from that year, you mentioned Texas Chainsaw 2 is always a crowd-pleaser.
2: That is true. Or
1: over-the-top. Mood wise, it's a bit different, but thematically, I'd put the blob remake remake with it.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: Ooh. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that.
3: Can do that this despite... <laughs> blob
2: I guess, you know, overlook Decker's other big film of the era, which is of course Monster Squad.
1: Oh, well. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Didn't yeah. Fred Decker also have something to do with Predator? This movie kind of yes. launched his career more so than anybody um, else's. This kind of got him noticed. And if you look at it, you know, honestly, through through an honest lens, Predator's nothing but a big-budget creature feature. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Decker got a good deal of play in the 80s after this movie. Yeah.
2: Well, he's credited as a writer on Predator, and um, who else has an uncredited part in Night of the Creeps? Shane Black.
0: Oh, ah, okay. Oh, yeah, and uh, Greg Nicotero plays one of the yeah. zombies. As do okay. his
2: partners, uh, Berger and... Uh, yes. Kurtzman. Yeah. Kurtzman, yes. Yep. Oh, Now, that's something
0: that popped into my head. You know, at the beginning, you say it was shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. Decker wanted to shoot
1: the whole thing in black and white. That got nixed early. Yeah. I like the transition, though, from the 50s to the modern. I yeah. think it was a better call to think it all better, black and yeah, white. to
0: do it that way, because that gives you more of a
1: sense of the 50s. Then and now. Was yeah. a
0: period. A then and now, yeah. yeah. It definitely does that better.
1: Yeah. But so we have the blob, shopping mall, Night of the Creeps. Might as well go Monster Squad. Monster Squad. There you go. That's you know, a night.
0: Two Deckers right there.
1: That's a night. Because
0: yeah. yeah. that's another one that's tone wise is
1: more like this. Yeah. Oh, yes. definitely. Yes. yes. That. Yeah. That would be awesome. So, is there anything else to say about this other than? Well, I don't know. You know, we it's
0: get, it's fun to watch. Yeah, we get to a point in all of these because t- typically. And 99% of these, or 98.7% of these, mm-hmm. are uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. are movies that we really enjoy, that we talk about. Very rarely have we talked about a movie on here that it's like, you know, we're talking about this, but we didn't really like it. So we always get to a point where I always say, well, you know, we can keep on and just gush over how much we like it. But well, that's the truth. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think we've covered the bases about... uh all the fine points and everything and without it just saying it over and over again this is such a good movie and like i was saying earlier it's readily available it's easy to see so do yourself a favor and check this out if you've never seen it and if it's been a long time since you've watched it like like I, you know for me do yourself a favor give it a rewatch, and you'll s- probably see it in a little uh, a new light i think mm-hmm.
1: At least that's what happened to me. And relatively speaking, I have actually used this movies. I've used Night of the Creeps as kind of like a gateway. Like if I, like, I've dated girls in the past that haven't been been big horror fans or haven't seen a lot of movies and say, do you have something that's, you know, I'd like to watch something but not too, too scary. This is like a perfect gateway movie for someone who might be interested in horror, but you know, isn't ready for something like the blob, or isn't ready for hatchet, Anything or something. Anything real intense? Yeah, it's it's not intense movie. This is like a good, you know, for lack of a better word, as I said, it's it's a good gateway movie. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I've never had anybody say, "Oh, it's too much." Turn it off. I was like, "That was really good. That was really <laughs> cute." And, and they and even newbie horror fans can have fun with this.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, I, that's about all I
1: got. I think
0: that's I got yeah. to end
1: on brother Sam.
2: I was just going to ask, uh, and I'm trying not to open a can of worms or brain slugs here.
1: <laughs> ding, had, ding.
2: Yeah, either of you seen James Gunn's Slither from 2006?
1: Yeah, Slither's yes. good. Actually, that
0: there's another one like Hatchet. Yeah, it's kind of a throwback to this era, I think. Yeah, I exactly. completely forgot
1: about that.
2: That was a yeah. lot of fun. When I watched Slither, the very first thing I thought of was, hey, are these the brain slugs from Night <laughs> of the
1: Beach? You know, that's that's a good point. That, that would also... That might be
0: one we might have to talk
1: about on here sometime. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah. We've got a couple more on the list that, that
1: uh, the yeah. three of us were talking
0: about. We'll have to get together. And we would record another one right now, but I'm getting hungry. It's
1: dinner time. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> you don't want us recording hangry. You wouldn't yeah. like us when we record hangry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you want to come back in an hour?
1: <laughs> We're not having Chinese, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. well, it was great to catch up with you, brother. It's It's been far too long, and hopefully the world won't be such a dumpster fire in 2021, and we can all meet in Vandegrift soon. Yes.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, actually, I'm thinking about updating some equipment here. Uh, we've been using the same board since we started this podcast. And I think we might have grown out of it, but uh, maybe we can do some more via satellite between mm. the you know the three of us or four of you know bring somebody else in and see how that works down yeah.
1: the road here a little bit. That'd be fun. I think uh we can safely say that we uh we won the six man <laughs> podcasting championship belts tonight Sam what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Alright, well, I got you... nothing else. All right. Gents, it's been a pleasure.
0: Alright, well that's about it everybody uh glad you know like i said one more time i had fun it's always a pleasure talking to you guys and especially
1: talking about this kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. we'll definitely have to do it again soon that's right take care everybody and remember don't go out there (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening good night everybody good night good night